Welcome to the What Matters Most podcast, presented by First United Bank and Trust. That's my bank. Visit us today at mybank.com. Hello and welcome to What Matters Most, a podcast all about finances, community, savings, and security for you, your family, and your business. This podcast is brought to you by the helpful folks at my bank, First United Bank and Trust. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, What Matters Most is the impact of the CARES Act and its new tax laws on retirement accounts. And for this discussion, I am thankful to be joined remotely again today by Brian Boll, CPA, principal and founder of Boll & Associates, an accounting firm in Oakland, Maryland, specializing in tax prep, planning, and consulting. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Good, Eric. How are you this morning? I'm doing real well. Doing real well. Thanks for asking. I appreciate you coming on uh, today. I, I know we've we've got a we've got a, a full topic to talk about today, and I'm excited to have you here. Um, so I, I just want to get right into it because we've got a lot of a lot of questions to talk about here. So, so Brian, on on March 27th, the president signed the CARES Act, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Securities Act, into law. Um. These were uh, there were a bunch of sections in the in in the in, in that act that did, related to retirement plans. Um, would you mind explaining to our audience what those changes were? Uh, what 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 changes were made to retirement plan withdrawals or, or the plan overall? How how did that affect retirement? Sure thing. There were a lot of changes, Eric, and and really, I think Congress recognized the fact that. When the Corona crisis started, obviously the the stock market took a took a significant hit. Now it's it's obviously climbing back at this point, but Congress did recognize that that some changes may need to come about because of the adverse consequences that that took place in the market. So what they did is they went out and and obviously if you have an IRA, most folks know that you rec- once you reach what what used to be age seventy and a half, and I'll touch on that in just a minute, you're required to take a minimum distribution each year from your IRA. What Congress did is they went out and they suspended the RMD requirement for 2020. So no RMD is required from your IRA for the entire year 2020, or from your, I should say, IRA or your qualified plan. Additionally, prior to the COVID crisis, Congress, the the SECURE Act had been introduced where the RMD age was actually raised from 70 and a half to age 70. So in, again, in 2020, there's no requirement to take a distribution from these plans, but the, the age for the required minimum, dis, required minimum distribution was raised from 70 and a half to 72. Also, one, a, a, an additional item that came about, um, Congress then eliminated the 10% penalty on a premature distribution. So Typically, if you're under age 59 and a half and you take a retirement plan distribution, you're subject to a 10% penalty for this premature distribution. Congress did waive that 10% penalty upon a, a, up to a $100,000 distribution from your plan on what they're calling coronavirus payouts. Now, the question is, you know, what is a coronavirus payout? And our understanding of that is that you, a spouse or a dependent, was diagnosed with COVID-19, or that you or a spouse have experienced adverse financial consequences from being quarantined, furloughed, laid off, having your work hours reduced, or, or being unable to work due to the lack of childcare. So there's, there's various you know, items that fall into this bucket. I, I would 
encourage anyone that's considering taking this type of, of, of distribution to speak with their financial advisor. Make sure that you can qualify for one of these, you know, coronavirus uh, payouts uh, prior to taking the distribution. Also, in addition, with these distributions, the funds can be paid back. They're treated as a tax-free rollover and can be paid back over a three-year period or if you, if you intend to pay the tax on the distribution, in other words, keep the money, the tax can be spread over a three-year period. Nice. Again, these are very complicated, you know, very specific. You want to make sure you don't want to take these, these distributions without consulting your financial advisor first. Right. But it gives people several options for accessing their funds without penalty or, or whatever, so they can, they can use those if they're in a, in a, tough, in a tough spot. It did. Congress recognized that, you know, a lot of folks need money right now uh, because of the consequences that have taken place maybe with their business or their family circumstances in the past few months. So they did ease up the rules to allow you to to access your retirement funds. Gotcha. Okay. well, along those same lines. um, So what about plan loans? Like I understand the, the CARES Act allows for enhanced retirement plan loans. Is it were there any changes to that or how how does that work? Yeah, that's correct. So some some 401k, some qualified plans with your employer allow you to take a loan upon your retirement funds, let's say from your 401k. Mm -hmm. Congress increased the limit from what typically was $50,000 up to the lesser of $100,000 or 100% of the account balance up until September 23rd. Repayments. So once you take a loan from your retirement plan, you do have a requirement to make monthly payments back to the plan, typically over a five-year period. Congress also eliminated the one the payments on that loan for up to one year. These distributions must be taken prior to September twenty-third. Okay. All right. What What are your thoughts on that? Is that Is it a good idea? Should people take loans against their four hundred one k? It, that's a great question, Eric, and it's it's not always the right circumstance to do that. Again, you want to talk to your financial advisor prior to pulling the trigger on a, a distribution or what I'll call a loan um, in this manner, because if you think about it, our markets, if, if they're going up, if you're taking that loan from your plan, you're taking the money out of the plan at that point. So you're, you may miss out on some of the tax-free growth that you would get within your retirement plan while you have that loan out. So definitely I'd encourage everyone to speak with their financial advisor prior, prior to making a loan such as this. Gotcha. Okay. So um, for those who are retired, so the, the required uh, minimum distribution change that you talked about, um, so, so let's, let's go a little more deeply into, into that. So you talked about the age moving, right? So it got right. the, the, it pushed back a little bit. So what effect does that have on, on our, our retired listeners? Yeah. So it just gives everybody, it, it gives folks a little more time to not be required to take that, that minimum distribution it gives them a little more time for their account to grow instead of having to take that distribution at age 70 and a half they can wait until age 72 in order to take the distribution. Now, keep in mind that once someone turns 59 and a half, they can take a, a penalty-free distribution from their account at any time. This just gives a, folks that, that really don't need the money, that want it to continue to grow tax-free or want it to continue to grow for their heirs, uh, to leave it in the account and not take a distribution until age 72. 
That's interesting. Just considering every 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 other piece of the plan was sort of uh, wrapped around getting people money, and this particular piece was sort of to push back and and allow it to grow longer. So I just I thought that was interesting. That's- that's correct. And keep in mind that this piece of it, the, this, the increase in the age limit to 72 was through the SECURE Act, which actually came out prior to the CARES Act and prior to the COVID crisis. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what about contributions? So um, are, are there any extensions in terms of contributions for 2019, even though we're past that April 15th date? No, that's a great question, Eric. And, and yes, so the, the tax deadline was, was extended from April 15th to July 15th automatically. And when that took place, you know, the contributions for traditional or Roth IRAs, the deadline was also extended from April 15th to July 15th. So folks can still make those contributions up until July 15th. Gotcha. July 15th. Okay. And that's Roth and traditional. Roth and traditional. And that actually also includes health savings accounts. Oh, okay. All right. So health savings accounts are, are moved to July 15th as well for the prior year. That's correct. HSAs or health savings accounts typically have the, the same tax deadline, the April 15th deadline. Those were extended as well until the July 15th date. Okay. Uh, as far as uh, Roth IRAs are concerned, are, are Roth IRA conversions a potential option these days? Yeah, Roth IRA conversions are, are certainly a potential option these days. Um, you know, it's, it's again, I want to want to mention that that's something that you should always speak to your financial advisor on because there are tax consequences uh, to doing that. But something you want to think about right now with Roth IRA conversions is in the current climate, if you have depressed assets in a traditional IRA uh, that have decreased uh, during this corona crisis that, that we're expecting, you know, may have some potential appreciation in them, if you can convert them now from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, you're converting them at that depressed value, then that growth, if the growth were to take place, would take place in a Roth IRA, which, which can permanently convert those into a tax-free, tax-free growth. So it is something that folks are considering these days, uh, but certainly uh, definitely talk to your financial advisor prior to um, going into a Roth IRA conversion because there are tax consequences and there, there are you know, reasons that, that an advisor may advise against a, a Roth IRA conversion. But it is definitely something to consider right now. Gotcha. Does that, does that advice or that, that line of thinking for everything we've just discussed, that, does that only apply to right now in 2020 or is that, how, how does that work for you? No, that's a it's it's a great question at any time. There are lots of uh, lots of reasons to do do Roth IRA conversions um, because again, once a once an asset moves from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, any growth that takes place within the IRA can potentially be tax free forever. Um, it's it's all about tax brackets and, and planning with your with your CPA and with your your financial advisor to see you know if you have a certain amount of room left in a lower tax bracket and you have a traditional IRA, it may make good sense to go ahead and convert that traditional IRA into a Roth to the extent that you have room in that lower tax bracket. Hmm. Uh, so there are lots of good reasons to do that. Not This is not a not just in a corona time period, uh, but again, uh, just speak to your financial advisor prior to, to pulling the trigger on that. Right. So, uh, so one other thought as we were talking about required minimum distributions. Um, so let's say someone already took their required minimum for this year. Um, and then, you know, 
laws change, things get pushed back. Can can they give the money back, or is there a best practice for them to to follow with with that change happening, kind of in the middle of them taking the the funds? That's a great question. We've had a lot of a lot of this this year. So a lot of folks do take their their distributions early in the year, or they or over the the course of the year in a monthly uh, in a monthly distribution. So. Yes. The answer is yes. So if you took your distribution in February or March, the IRS actually extended the 60-day rollover period. Typically, you could you take funds out and put them back within 60 days, and it was treated as a tax-free rollover. The IRS did extend that period um, on those 60-day rollovers. Out, so now if you took your distribution in February or March, you can actually return it between now and July 15th, and it's treated as if it never took place. January is a little bit different because January does fall outside that 60-day rollover period that Congress allowed for. However, there are options in which if you took your RMD in January, and again, if you were directly impacted by COVID, as we discussed earlier, uh, which, you know, has, has a variety of different buckets that you can fall into. But if you, if you experienced adverse financial consequences through COVID, uh, there may be an option to put that January RMD back as well. But again, uh, you, you'd want to speak with your financial advisor directly on that. Make sure that you can qualify for those rules. Awesome. Well, Brian, before we, uh, before we get to some listener questions, and we have several, um, before we get to those, do you have any uh, final thoughts, wrap-up thoughts about, about IRAs uh, and, the, and the changes that we've seen? Well, there have been a lot. As we just discussed, there have been a lot of changes, a lot of complications involved. So I guess my, you know, number one, you want to look at your account and you want to see what impact the coronavirus has had on, on the value of your account. And if there has been a, a decrease in value, certainly that provides you with, with some options that, that may help to, to put some funds back in, to let them grow back uh, to where they were. But again, everything that, that you do, because of the complications of these rules, I, I would highly, highly consider that you, you speak with your CPA and with your financial advisor prior to making any decisions on the IRAs. Yeah, good advice. All right, so let's get to some listener questions. So. As a reminder, you can always submit your questions by visiting mybank.com slash podcast or by emailing us directly at podcast at mybank.com. So, Brian, we've got several, and they're gonna, we're going to bounce around a little bit. It's not all IRA related. Okay. So, um, so one, one question right off the bat um, is, have tax deadlines changed from July 15th? They have, yeah. The, the well, I from April fifteenth to July fifteenth. So okay. as of right now, things are still July fifteenth. There have been some rumors out there that that date may go out a little bit further. But as we sit right now, the April fifteenth date automatically became a due date of July fifteenth. Okay. All right. So um, do, do do we have any expectation of knowing when that may, if that were to change again from July to something later? Do we, do we have any indication of when, when that decision might be made? That's a great question. It is something that, that Congress is considering. Uh, we've seen some, some uh, verbiage going back and forth on that. You know, I don't know. I, I, it's it's a, a wild card right now to know where that might go, but we'd have to know pretty soon because, <laughs> we, you know, we're almost within a month of, of the deadline. Right. So we'll, right. we'll hopefully hear pretty soon. We'll, we'll know by at least July 14th, right? That's <laughs> that, that'd be great. <laughs> So, um, so the next question, um, 
there, this, this comes from someone talking about, um, unemployment and there are, you know, a lot of folks that have, uh, you know, been forced to, to, to join the unemployment and then they're getting unemployment benefits and they're curious, are unemployment benefits taxable? Yeah, that's a great, great listener question. And there is some confusion out there on this. But yes, unemployment for federal tax purposes, unemployment compensation is taxable, and you will receive a 1099 at the end of the year. Now, most folks were given the option or should have been given the option to withhold tax on their benefits. So if they did, then certainly there would be some tax withholding to show at the end of the year. But it is something you want to check on. And if if you didn't have tax withheld on your benefits, you want to be setting something aside. Uh, for the end of the year. States vary on their taxability of unemployment. So dependent upon the state in which you live, you certainly want to check on that and see if if you're going to be in a taxable consequence there. Gotcha. All right. So this next set of questions, and there's a couple in here, so I'll kind of space them out for you and let you answer one and we'll move through. Um, So, but we're, this, this question comes in from a listener wanting to know about economic stimulus payments. So um, so first, before we jump into the question, can you can you briefly describe or discuss the, the 2020 economic stimulus payments? Right. So economic stimulus payments, most folks should have received them by now. There are still some trickling out at this point. Um, but most folks received the, the $1,200 stimulus payment, dependent upon their income. There were some income limitations, and certain high-income folks did not receive the payments. Uh, but most other folks did receive the $1,200 economic stimulus payment per person, $500 per dependent. Gotcha. Okay, so the their first question is, uh, they've, so they, they – reiterated what you just said they've heard that the twelve hundred dollars um you know everyone was getting that but that may reduce your 2020 tax refund and that you may have to pay they may have to pay taxes on it is that true no that our understanding is that is not true we've, we've heard that that myth out there but the rebate what i'll call it is a rebate is, is an advance payment of a special 2020 tax credit that will show up on the 1040 return for 2020 You'll reconcile your rebate on your 2020 return. If you got a reduced rebate, you may qualify for some additional rebate. But no, it's not a direct reduction to your refund. Gotcha. Also, is it true that if I have a dependent on my tax return over the age of 17, um, that they didn't that they did not qualify for a stimulus payment? Yeah, this is that is true, Eric. The uh, you know full time student, the the, the five hundred dollar rebate for dependents uh, went up through age seventeen. But for full time students, which are still eligible to be claimed on a parent's return between age eighteen and twenty three, they actually did not qualify. They were not included in the law to to receive the the economic stimulus rebate. Wow. Okay. All right, and then. And then uh, uh, an interesting one here. So we, we've heard that um, also deceased individuals are receiving stimulus checks. Um, so let's say a, a, a person you know, has, has recently lost someone and they, they, they receive a stimulus check for that deceased person. What do they do? How do they deal with that? It's a great question. It's a question we've gotten a lot of this year um, because there have been a lot of checks that have come out to deceased individuals. So what 
what the IRS has done is in when you receive that check, it's typically coming in the form of a check. And there is on the front of the envelope, there is a check box uh, where you can can simply check the box and state that the individual that states that the individual is deceased and drop it back in the mailbox and it will be returned to the IRS. Um, there, you know, I've also heard of folks that have received those checks and, and cashed them. And that's certainly not something you want to do, um, because, uh, you know, I think treasury will come looking for that at some point. So if you receive that check for a deceased individual, follow the procedure to, to send it back, um, or, or, you know, simply reach out to your CPA or your financial advisor and say, say, what do I do? It's certainly not a check you want to keep. Gotcha. All right. So our next question kind of gets back into the CARES Act a little bit. So um, so the question is, uh, the CARES Act provided some benefits for above the line charitable deductions. So what does that mean for for those uh, those who are taking advantage of that and how can they benefit from it? Right. That's a great question. And when our, you know, when our country goes through crisis like we, we just did or, or, or still are, you know, lots of folks want to give. They, they want to help in the cause. And the tax law a few years ago changed where we were no longer seeing as many folks be able to itemize their deductions. With the increase in the standard deduction, many less folks were able to get credit for their charitable donations. So Congress came back, they did add an above-the-line deduction through the CARES Act for up to $300 of charitable contributions will be deductible above the line regardless of whether you itemize your deductions. Nice. So if a listener wanted to donate their maybe their required uh, minimum distribution to a charity as they've done in the past, are they, are they still able to do that um, based on the changes this year? Yes, they can still do that, and, and that's what's called a qualified charitable distribution, a QCD, and that's still a great option for folks that if, if they want to take, you know, if they decide, I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to take my RMD for this year, you know, regardless of, of these changes that Congress has made, but I want to go ahead and give it directly to charity, um, I'm not able to itemize on my return, you can still do the QCD and get the benefit. That's a great option for folks that, that no longer can itemize their deductions, but still want to get, you know, want to get credit for their charitable donations. You want to work directly with your financial advisor on this. It's very important that the check must go, you know, you must designate with, you know, your IRA, whoever holds your IRA, your financial advisor has to designate the charity that you want your RMD to go to, and it needs to go directly. Uh, very specific rules um, in regards to these QCDs, but they can be a great idea from a tax planning standpoint. Excellent. All right, Brian, last question. Some of those uh, listening are considering student lending right now and, and kind of how that's that's affected. How did, did, did the CARES Act provide any relief for, for student loans or parents uh, that are dealing with loans for their children during the coronavirus uh, pandemic? Yeah, it sure did. That's a great question. And, and first, I want to step back to charitable, uh, charitable donations one more time. One other thing that did happen within the CARES Act that, that is important is there's a, there was a 60% AGI limit on the amounts that could be contributed to charity. For folks that are really charitable and wanted to give a significant amount of, of their income uh, to charity, this 60% limit would, would, in effect, limit the amount that they were able to deduct and carry a certain, for, certain piece forward to, the, to a future year. 
that 60% AGI limit has been suspended for 2020. So I just wanted to clarify that as well. But on to student loans, uh, yeah, payments on federal student loans, they, again, these are federal student loans, are automatically suspended from March 13th through September. Um, folks can keep making their payments if they're able to, but it should be noted that the loan is it's paused. It's not forgiven, and the six months of the suspended payments will still be due. It's just been put on pause for the next six months. So interest isn't being accrued and that sort of thing. That's correct. It's it's basically just been put on pause. But if folks want to want to continue on the current you know current schedule that they've been on, if they're able to make their payments and they want you know their loan to end sooner, they are advised to continue to just go ahead and make the payments. Um, one other additional uh, piece of the student loan uh, rules that came up that was pretty interesting was people who have a student loan repayment benefit from their employer. Uh, the CARES Act allows up to $5,250 of employer contribution to a student's debt to be excluded from their income for the 2020 year. So in other words, the first $5,250 that an employer contributes to an individual student debt repayment is tax-free to the individual. So that can be a pretty key key item as well that uh, I think we'll see a little bit of this year. Oh, that's cool. So that, that suspension of student loan um, payments and interest, uh, that pause through September, is that that's just for federal student loans, right? Like any individual student loans, is, are they impacted too? That This is for federal student loans. Some of the individual loans have similar programs, but you, I would encourage anybody to reach out directly to their loan provider to, to confirm what programs are available. Excellent. All right. Well, that was a very full conversation, Brian. Yes, it was. We got a lot out today, didn't we? <laughs> we did. We did. So I want to sincerely thank you for joining me today and providing the insights that you did. Um, if any of our listeners have additional questions or they want to learn more, or they're not sure about their, you know, their IRA or their required minimum distribution or student loans, whatever it might be, um, if they have questions and they want to reach out to someone, what's the best way that they can get the support they need? Sure. Yeah. The best way to, uh, I'm glad to answer any questions um, on anything we discussed today. Uh, my email address is bb, b as in boy, b as in boy, oal at boalcpas as in sam dot com. So bbowl at bowlcpas.com. I'm glad to answer any, any questions on uh, anything we discussed today. Excellent. And we'll put we'll put your email address and website address in the uh, in the show notes. Um, so, okay. and of course, uh, that brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting mybank.com slash podcast or find us on your favorite podcast app. You can always leave us feedback, ask questions, or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to podcast at mybank.com. We thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more helpful content. But until then, we wish you the best in focusing on what matters most to you. Do I have enough money to retire? Is my family protected if something happens to me? Is my plan getting me where I'm going? Are you ready if I want to be a doctor? When it comes to money, we all have questions. That's why First United Wealth Management has a team of experts ready to listen and provide solutions. First United Wealth Management. First United, my bank for life. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This recording is for informational purposes only. 
Any references in this recording to any person, organization, product, or service does not constitute or imply the endorsement, recommendation, or affiliation with First United Bank and Trust. First United is not responsible for your use of the information mentioned within this podcast. Please consult legal or tax professionals for counsel as needed.